This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Excuse me. Sorry. Oh. Wait. How'd it go? Did you see me talking? Uh. What's the opposite of that? Sour yell. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Ted Lasso, season three, episode two, I don't want to go to Chelsea, is over. But we are just getting started here on the Ted Lasso podcast on post-show recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, sour yelling about Ted Lasso this week with Antonio Mazzaro. As always, Antonio. <laughs> Please, less yelling, less sour. How about some sweet talk? Can we get some uh, sweet talk in here? Do some sweet talk. Oh, we baby. Some ASMR. Radio here on the Ted Lasso podcast. That other sound you hear is uh, thousands upon tens of thousands of listeners clicking stop on this No, podcast. stay with us. You do want to go to parentheses post show recaps, the place <laughs> to be for all of your Ted Lasso coverage. Of course, I assume you are subscribed to the Ted Lasso podcast already, but in case you're not, 
Just search Post Show Recaps Ted Lasso wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you want to search by URL, postshowrecaps.com slash Ted Lasso. We've been uh, really, really happy about the response to the podcast uh, this early in the season. Your participation by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews. It's so helpful and appreciated by us, Antonio. Yeah, we love it. And we're very thankful. It's going great. We look forward to more of the same or better throughout the yes. season. So we're here to deliver that. Uh, and hopefully people will follow. That's the goal with this always. Right, Josh? That is the goal that I am scoring with my face. Uh, <laughs> we would... I have a feeling you'd be very good at that. Uh, no, I would be deathly afraid. Are you kidding me? I've been wearing glasses my entire life and now I don't, but I also have like these permanent wounds in my eyes. So no, I'm never hitting the ball with my face. No chance. It's not a thing. Not a thing yeah. I'm going to do. But if you think that I would be good at hitting the ball with my face, you could tell me by writing in to Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com, nice our email line. That's going to come to me. It's going to come to Antonio. It is also going to go to our producer in the management suite, the great Marissa garza if you want to get your feed back in and if you want to get commercial free versions of the ted lasso podcast every single one of our ted lasso season three podcasts will live on patreon.com slash post show recaps without ads at any level so consider it sign up patreon.com slash post show recaps for those ad free podcasts antonio we are talking about the second episode of season three of ted lasso today i don't want to go to chelsea how do we feel about this one i thought it was really fun i liked it considering we're on the heels of where we were with uh, the last episode setting everything up i think this is a really nice uh, takeoff from what we set up so last episode for example we get into how roy and keely have split and we don't really start to get into the why we just establish that it has happened now in this episode, we start to get into the why. It was preseason for Richmond last episode. They hadn't played anybody. We start the season. We get a result. Uh, and we maybe are bringing in some new players, it seems like. So things really do seem to be taking off from what we set up last week. And you can't ask for more on a final season of a show like this. I'm very excited uh, after two episodes now to see what comes next. I can't wait. But of course, I can't see what comes next till we unpack everything that happened in this one. And of course, and that's exactly what we are going to do here on the podcast. And we're going to kick things off with a quick plot recap for episode 302. I don't want to go to Chelsea. Antonio, how did this thing go down? It's a lovely day and we're feeling okay as hell at Keely Jones PR, where Keely has hired none of the staff and the joint has very little of her vibe. But don't worry, it will. Keely Jones is inevitable. Picnic together in the conference room. Also inevitable. Krim! Trent Krim, the independent, who is in fact back to write a book about Ted and Richmond. Ted is on board with this, even though basically no one else is. Especially Roy, because of course, Roy thinks, Trent, you're a colossal prick. You always have been. Roy tells the team to freeze Trent out and they comply. Even sweet Donnie Rojas. I mean, fuck off, Trent Krim. Things aren't going great for Roy or his feelings and the Roy Keeley breakup drama washes over Richmond with a shockwave of surprise that throws everyone into fits of madness. Roy and Keeley broke up. <laughs> no one can understand why Roy dumped Keeley. Perhaps most importantly, Roy himself, who admits staying put and enjoying himself. That is not who I am. But Roy makes progress after Ted confronts him and demands he squashes beef with Trent. Will Roy make similar progress with Keeley? To be determined. Keeley hires an old friend, Shandy, and Keeley and her CFO, Babs, broker a loose piece because Keeley believes in belief. I believe in her. Call it the Ted effect. 
The Ted effect is also alive and well at Richmond, where the players believe they can get a result against Chelsea and ultimately do, thanks to Jamie's tactics and Danny's face. I mean, fuck off, Trent Green. It's not a win, but a draw at Chelsea is a good result. And the good results keep rolling in for Richmond, as buoyed by her hatred of Rupert, Rebecca Negg's world football superstar Zlatan, er, Zava, into joining Richmond. I mean, if you were great, truly great, you could play anywhere. How will the Ted effect clash with the Zava effect? Stay tuned. I'm always staying tuned, Antonio. And gosh, maybe one of the very first character notes for this newcomer who seems very important, Zava, being that he has asparagus pee. I don't know that I needed that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> It will be a little hard to clear for me uh, that that is uh, that is our first introduction to this guy. You said Zlatan. Zlatan, am I oh, getting this right? Oh Zlatan? That's Zartan? The that's, that's the G.I. Joe shape changer. What's uh, the name of the guy right that's, what's the name of the uh, the machine that's in the movie Big? That Zoltan them. or Zoltar? None of, no Zoltar. None Zlatan, of Zlatan, one of the most infamous characters. You don't mess with football. the Zlatan, I believe, is uh, <laughs> the, the name of that. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't mess with the Zlatan. Uh, he is not a hairdresser, although he, he you know, he's one of those guys that in some other iteration of Zlatan, he would have been the best hairdresser in the whole world. This is a super famous soccer star that the show is now uh, getting into. Am I right? Parodying. Yes. Okay. I mean, not the same guy, obviously, but the Zlatan, the world famous soccer star, famously uh, mercurial, famously ego, famously chaos, famously incredibly talented, famously a guy who has played for multiple clubs in his career, 10 at least. He's a guy like Zava, who has starred in Italy uh, and who made a decision to come to the Premier League for a season a couple of years ago. He's won everywhere he goes, and he is crazy, and he is a whole thing. That sort of thing, like it's uh, it, when, when Rebecca says, it's a pleasure to meet you, and Zlatan says, it's a pleasure for you to meet me, uh, or something to that effect. That is, right. uh, that is as Zlatan as it gets. Uh, and yeah. he looks like this. He's tall. He's squarely built. He's got the, the little the little man pone, if you will, the little yeah. uh, the little the little ponytail. Uh, so this is all Zlatan. Very Tuti. extravagantly dressed. Like seems yes. like too cool for school. He's a superstar. I mean, he's yeah. a rock star. Zlatan is crazy. If you want a, a quick Zlatan story, uh, he went and played for the LA Galaxy in MLS for a year. When he showed up, of course, the biggest sports star in Los Angeles these days is LeBron James, one of, if not probably the biggest athlete in the entire world. Yeah. LeBron, in a gesture uh, that was seen as kindness, signs a Lakers jersey and sends it to Zlatan. Welcome to L.A. Zlatan signed the jersey and sent it back. <laughs> Wow. Yep. That's okay. Yep. Well, that's a nice window into maybe how this is going to work with Zava on the yeah. show and how his style might collide, as you say, with the lasso way. Uh, very, very fun. Looking forward to that. That's just one element of what I thought was a really excellent episode of the show. Notably, no Nate this week. Uh, I thought that that was interesting that we have time here in 12 episodes of a potentially final season to not check in on Nate at all but the evil emperor continues his imperial march here in this episode rupert uh cloak and all is here and i think most importantly for me are the advancements of the roy and keely story uh as individuals and in um in concert with one another uh, i thought that this was a really a really excellent brett goldstein showcase this episode I remember thinking when I was watching that last scene where he goes into the monologue about his career and leaving Chelsea and all of that, 
I know why he won the Emmy and I know why he's winning another Emmy. Totally. Right? Like yeah. this is like Emmy. Like that that's the word that popped into my brain in neon letters. Emmy it wasn't KJPR it was another four letters. And Brett Goldstein, man, what a guy like fantastic, fantastic Roy Kent stuff. And it was like a sneaky Roy Kent episode. I feel like the the stories about Zava, it's about Keeley's PR firm. And those are all big stories in the episode. But by the end of the episode, you're left with that fantastic Roy Kent scene and you realize I just watched like a really good episode of Ted Lasso that serviced all of those things and finds ways to make them slightly related to one another, bouncing them off one another. Just really, really good stuff. And yeah, the Brett Goldstein stuff, super highlight. Yeah, and I think there are ways in which this episode maybe didn't feel like it was, you know, really emphasizing Ted as much as certainly the premiere did. But I think a lot of the action that we do get in this episode is very much underscoring Ted's story in some subtle ways, I think, that are going to drive us towards what feels like an inevitable point of departure, uh, whether he's going to not wait around to get fired and he's going to quit or he will wait around to get fired is a possibility. And that maybe getting broken up with isn't the end of the world could be a lesson uh, that is that is learned here so I think the Ted story continued really well and this was also beyond being an emotional story uh, a an emotional episode that is moving a lot of narrative forward Antonio I thought that it was also just hilarious the prolonged locker room scene so funny uh, where like the whole who's on first yes. Trent's on second yeah. of it all zero was, why what's Zava write a book about Trent Cream? you know it's just absolutely unbelievable <laughs> uh, and that scene goes on forever it feels yeah, like it's so funny. just joke after joke after joke Beard doesn't need to catch the keys he's already got a set so he funny. leaves Beard comes back when he hears that it's Roy who broke up with Keeley the gasp yeah very funny. Just, uh, you know, I think this was a, this episode is hyperbolic to say like, oh, this is one of my favorite episodes of Ted Lasso. But this was an episode that where last time around in the season three premiere, I felt like, OK, we're back in this here with this episode of season three. I really just felt very in touch with the characters, really just feeling like the show is vibing on all of its best frequencies. I was very happy with what was put forward here in episode two. I think you make a really interesting point about it was almost presaging what a show might look like without Ted. Ted plays important roles in this episode. Don't get it twisted. He's part of the best scene at the end. He's part of the hilarious scene with the team. He has some very funny lines and moments. But you're right. As far as like the character stuff that was on display and whose conflict we were getting into, it was mostly Tedless in terms of what was driving it. So you're beginning to see the, 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 the start of what a show that doesn't necessarily have to have Ted in it would look like. And I, I think that that's really good i really love what they're doing with the team this year we haven't had any real standout player episodes yet or moments uh we've had some you know some passing moments especially with jamie tart some of which we'll talk about today for sure uh, but we haven't done like a full-on a b or c story right about like one individual player uh, which we did a lot of last season with sam uh, we had some with isaac i'm sure that stuff is coming but just using the team the way they did it in the first episode with everyone reacting to the reviews that they saw of the team talking about paddington bear and the tweets and all the pundits and now in this episode their reactions to zava and the discussions of that i think they're just doing really good stuff of of reminding us why all of these guys are very fun and by not just featuring one or two of them they're all coming out as an ensemble and all getting moments to shine and i love that 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes! Here we go! Yes! Here we go! Yes! Come on! This is exciting! So, I might assume that you're going to pursue a notoriously mercurial player you can't really afford simply because the team your ex-husband owns wants him? Yes. Love that. Antonio, let's get into this by the ABCs. Let's break down each storyline from this episode of Ted Lasso. I think we feel like the A story, certainly as it pertains to AFC Richmond, is the recruitment of Zava via a uh, an electrified Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is on fire in this episode, Antonio. She's uh, really actualized from the beginning uh, when she is saying like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm going to do it. Yeah. So what if it's about Rupert? This is a world superstar. Everybody wants him. Everybody's excited. That's why I'm going to do it. Uh, and I, I think that that version of Rebecca, Rebecca who wants to win, it is a good thing. I'm curious, Josh, though, do you should we be feeling good that she's taking the shot for this reason or should we wary of this? Because the show is repeatedly telling us throughout the episode that this guy's a chaos agent. He could be difficult. Uh, Rebecca does talk to Ted about it in, in loose when, when the whole group is in there, when Zava first comes up. But as far as getting him to actually come to Richmond, that part is not really cleared with Ted. Right. So I'm wondering if you think it's a good and healthy thing that Rebecca is doing this for the reasons that she's doing it. And if you think her doing it ultimately is a good thing, even though it's great to see her be so actualized. Right. So uh, a couple of things that come to mind immediately is the increasing evolution of Jamie Tart is what's coming to mind for me. Uh, and in Jamie Tart's storyline this season, you know, he's going to go to Roy in this episode. He's going to offer him the hug. You know, it's called empathy. You know, like he's really going to try and does the old fat. Yeah, he's going to try and be there uh, for Roy. And I think that there are 
some of these Ted-isms uh, that are showing up in Jamie. And uh, Jamie was such a personal project for Ted in the first season. And we know how that started. You know, Jamie Tart was a jerk. Uh, Jamie Tart was somebody that was really unliked by most of the team. Uh, and even when he returned in season two, it was really uh, not until he, you know, he had his moment of banter solidarity that he gets folded back into the good graces of this team. Um, but Ted was able to really mold Jamie in the right direction. Could he do it again? Uh, certainly think it's possible. But I think the more important thing for me is everyone on the team seems excited about Zava, except for Jamie Tart. Jamie yeah. Tart seems notably unhappy with this, sharing some space with another superstar. I don't think that he particularly loves, but I think if a sort of Ted-infused Jamie Tart is going to be the person who is paired off against Zava, the way those two things interact is is really what I am looking towards. Um, but I think Rebecca has seen a lot of this kind of, um, you know, turning around of the ship via Ted's coaching. And I don't think that for her, it's something that's too much of a concern. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm really team Rebecca this season is what's yeah. starting to bear out for me. She trusts her guy to make it better and make it work. And that's what you have to do. You have to back your manager. Uh, you have to back your gaffer to do this. And this is a debate you see in sport a lot. Uh, can this team get better with the players that we have on it? Or do we need to seek external solutions uh, and perhaps jeopardize the chemistry of the locker room, perhaps uh, change the pecking order, change who's a superstar and who's not uh, in order to really go from good to great. And I think this season of Ted Lasso seems to be suggesting about uh, what you, what you might want to do to go from good to great. And if that's an okay pursuit, is it okay to want to just to, to want to be great, to want to be more than good, to want to be doing more than the right thing, uh, to be winning as part of that. And that push-pull is seemingly central to the dynamic that's pushing Ted. We've seen it now in both episodes where he is getting a little more interested in tactics. He's at least displaying an interest that he never did before. When he says to Roy in this episode, your ego is about to ruin a lot more uh, than just a silly football match. Um, I think Ted's saying, like, this is about a lot more than just the result of one particular game. Uh, this is about what we're building as an environment, what we're building as a business, as a collective, as a team. Uh, and keeping that in mind, Zava is a major spanner in the works is that, as far as that goes. And like I said, you do see this in sport all the time, and it's a huge debate over whether what you have inside. This is the team, remember, that was largely Richmond's original Premier League team. It, it did get relegated, uh, in part, I think, because Ted was not yet ready. Uh, but then they did get promoted again. Uh, and now they want to try to take it from good to great by juicing it up with some real outside flair. Uh, obviously, this is going to cause conflict. Uh, there's no, no no question about it. And we talked in our preseason about how if the conflict is not coming from them losing a lot, well, what can it come from? Right. And here you can see there's easy conflict where they're winning, but they're not winning the lasso way. They're winning the Zava way. Yeah. And the supporters are obviously going to get behind the Zava way. Uh, that seems like the fans just want to win. They don't care about how yeah. happy the locker room is if everybody's winning. So they were, they were very excited. Yeah. Uh, they did. Uh, they all danced the Hora to, to Zava uh, <laughs> was one thing that they did. Yeah. Uh, so they were they're thrilled to have him around. I think that it's a really compelling notion to have this guy who's antithetical to the way that Ted runs his ship showing up and leading these people to victory. And I wonder about the ways in which it will darken in the hearts of some of our uh, favorite characters on Richmond versus how much will they stay solidly within the lessons that Ted has taught them. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, uh, it, it is to your point, I think as you sketch it out, 
it ends up being a little difficult to see how Zava sticks around. Uh, like it feels like the arc is he's going to get them really close to, you know, competitive distance. He departs, probably goes to West Ham at some point, And we get into like this final grudge match and Zava's on the opposite team. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, we talked loosely about this in previous podcasts, but in uh, certainly in most European football, and this is uh, definitely the case in England, you have a window in the summer where you can acquire and sell players, and that closes usually at the end of August. And then you have a window that opens up again at the beginning of January and just runs for that month, uh, the winter transfer window. So you could easily see a scenario. I mean, it wouldn't happen in real life where someone bought uh, a, like a world superstar came to one club in the summer uh, and then in the winter was immediately going to their rival out of nowhere. I mean, the the selling club would have to really want to get rid of the guy uh, and really would be taking a huge risk of getting egg on their face. But in a TV show, uh, it's certainly acceptable. We could get there with Zava pretty quickly, I think. So I love that. He's a superstar. He's not terribly concerned about egg on his face. I don't think. No, uh, he's he's a veggie dog and asparagus guy. So Uh what is he concerned? What is he concerned about? Vigilante. Yeah. What is he concerned about eggs? Uh, I think you're, it's a really uh, smart thing for you to recognize the Jamie tart of it all, uh, because it was Jamie who comes up with the tactical solution uh, to help them win. He's got the idea. He says they're not blocking the passing lanes. Of course, the team picks up on it from there. So this Jamie fitting into the team and that working out, but uh, it's Jamie. It's Jamie who raises his hand. He's the one who's going out of his way to console Roy. I don't know about anybody else, but when you first see that moment and you see that Jamie realizes Keely and Roy have broken up and then Jamie starts quietly walking down that hall, my thought is, oh, he's going to go right to Keely. And instead, right. he goes right to Roy. This is a different Jamie Tart. Uh, and this different Jamie Tart, this, this better Jamie Tart, he's the kind of guy that can take your team from good to great just by his own improvement. So if in season one, the message was, Jamie, you need to learn how to be a good teammate and less of a prick. In season two, it was maybe not entirely less of a prick, uh, maybe occasionally a good prick, right? Maybe occasionally you want to be somebody that gets in the other team's head. And it, season two, the lesson is like you have to be that sometimes to be the best version of yourself. What is the season three version of the Jamie Tart story and how is that going to be reflected with the Zava story? Uh, that's something I think we should definitely be tracking and they're, they're, they're laying the tracks for right away in these first two episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm loving Jamie this season. Uh, Jamie really showing up as an early favorite for, for season three uh, for me. Um, I, I don't know. I, uh, do you have any thoughts about how the soccer was rendered on the show this week? It's our first match that we're, we're really seeing. Danny getting hit in the face twice one time <laughs> successfully making a goal out of it uh were you happy with uh, the soccer on ted lasso i episode? thought the the premier league license really popped in this episode seeing it for the first time they went to stamford bridge it's a legendary ground Can you set that back Chelsea's up for ground. me again about the the premier league license yes in previous seasons they went for authenticity but they couldn't get as authentic as they wanted because they didn't have a license from the premier league to feature some of the very specific intellectual property that is part and parcel to the premier league experience so some of that is logos badges the fonts the style but these iconic grounds were a huge part of what they wanted to do for the season three shoot and that was a big reason why and we've read this in in the past we talked about this a little in the preseason when there were coverage about like what's going on with ted lasso uh it one of the things that was going on is well they wanted to shoot at specific places and they wanted to get there at specific times and that's proving tricky we saw, I think, in this episode, what having a Premier League license and what a focus that that license allows you to do in terms of making the football seem more realistic, we saw how that looks. So we see Roy walking out onto Stamford Bridge. That's just a different ground than we normally see. It's, it's, it's a proper away ground. It's a huge Premier League ground. So we saw that. We saw uh, the stewards. We saw the supporters. We saw all of that. And I thought the football 
football looked pretty damn good. So I was really, really impressed. This is the first time it's really popped off the screen like that for me. When they're at Wembley last season, it does that to an extent, but that's a national stadium. Yeah. That is not a specific club's stadium. So seeing these specific club stadiums, the possibility of their supporters, their chants, their logos, their colors, their traditions, all of that, it, I think, really makes the show's football feel a lot more significant and uh, impactful. And I think the Roy story in this episode shows how in doing that, you can really get some emotional value out of it. Uh, and so it's the best of both worlds. Not only does the product look a little better and seem a little more realistic, but in looking and seeming like that, then we can get more emotional content out of it. And doing that the way they did that this episode with Roy, I thought 10 out of 10, no notes. The way you just treated Shandy was incredibly rude. It was hurtful. What? That is a massive amount of snow globe. So uh, we could talk about Roy, but why don't we talk about Keeley first? Why don't we go yes. over to KJPR? I know you're on spinoff watch, Antonio. I feel like we're really fleshing out KJPR here. We really are. And yeah, spinoff watch, of course, we're meeting the characters, getting to know them a little better, getting to know all about them, uh, getting to like them, hoping that they like <laughs> us. Um, wow, I, I picked up on that way too late. Uh, Keely, you know, Keely and Babs, we just had the corporate flying object last episode. Now we learned a little more about Babs. And I was pleased to see that they thawed out pretty quickly, that all it took was some of that snow globe uh, sentiment. And uh, we can't, we can't call her Babs. It didn't work. Uh, oh, sorry about to, that. You tried yes. to call her Babs and it just didn't take. Barbara. Uh, yeah, Barbara. So, yeah, Keely Barbara. and Barbara. Yeah, I really thought that uh, I, I really like seeing that. Of course, yeah, this is built out. And one of the things I think that really popped for me as far as spinoffs go, as far as any of the message of the show goes, is Keely and, and Barbara talked about their shared belief that Keely believed that Shandy would be good for KJPR, but that the firm that hired Barbara has to believe in Barbara because look at all the places that they've sent her and look at all the great things that they've done. Yeah, look at That's, all those snow globes. Imagine all, snow all globes. of the adulterers that Richard Gere could kill with those. Um, <laughs> it's a very good unfaithful reference for Emily Fox. She's not listening. I was thinking, imagine all of the uh, interesting television cinematic universes that uh -huh. could be contained in one. That's and that true. is a very good St. Elsewhere reference for literally no one. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Keely and, and Barbara, I just I think that what that shows is that the Ted Lasso ethos, the Lasso way, the Lasso values of, of believing in people and backing them and supporting them. They translate. It's not just a sports thing. They can translate to the corporate boardrooms. They can translate to your C-suite employees. They can translate at a level that is different to just an individual team member on the ground doing the football stuff. Um, this is how uh, this is the same values that Ted shares and that Ted displays at Richmond. Keeley's doing the same thing and already finding, I think, a really fertile ground uh, to grow this beautiful business. So it's a little weird to me. I don't know if PR firms are different than the UK, Josh. She's at a commercial shoot and she's literally shooting and arranging and directing, like working on commercial direction. It happens from time to time, like in-house EPK and stuff like that. So okay. it's not, it's not unheard of. Um, I want to, I do want to give shouts to Katie Wicks who plays Barbara, who I'm not terribly familiar with, but I think that there are definitely people who, who know her work. She had a main role on, ghosts which is a bbc comedy uh for uh you know a few years it, it lasted uh and you're more into this show than i am but she is apparently a, 
uh, regularly featured on Taskmaster, uh, has appeared in 10 episodes of uh, the 2019 season of Taskmaster. I have not uh, caught up to that season yet. So when I saw in our Post Show Recaps patron discord, a lot of our uh, Canadian and UK friends chiming in about Katie Wicks, I thought to myself, that must be a Taskmaster thing. And uh-huh, sure enough, it sure. was. Uh, Dose, of course, also, uh, there's a US version of it on CBS. I don't know if Katie Wicks made the jump, but uh, yeah, a, a show that has been successful on two continents at this point. So That's the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt, the ghost whisperer, is that right? No, it's the one with Demi Moore, uh, I think, is ultimately yeah. what it is. Uh, but no, Katie Wicks, I love Taskmaster. Shout out to anyone out there who's a Taskmaster fan. I just haven't caught up to, I think that's the 10th series of it. Uh, I think I'm somewhere in like eight or nine. Uh, so I, I know I've got Katie Wicks great. to look forward to. Yeah. She's very fun. She's imme- like, She immediately clicks with, with Keely. And if we are looking for the longevity of this universe, expanding it out and seeing who else can work in Keely's storyline, I think we found one. Uh, I don't know who the actor is who played Shandy. I don't have that readily available. I really liked her quite a bit as well. I thought that she was a very fun character reintroduced introduced someone who has both good ideas and bad ideas as the animaniacs would say uh you know she has really good ideas about some production fixes on the fly with how to get closer to the tv and all of that without having to you know blow out the budget and then she's also like yeah and then let's blow out the budget on mimosas tomorrow morning because uh, this is a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Ambreen Razia uh, is the name of the actress uh, who plays Shandy. Uh, so I'm not, I think she maybe had a role in a Black Mirror episode. Uh, I, 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 when I looked at her uh, profile, that was really one of the only things I'd seen yep. uh, that, that she would have been in. Uh, and I don't really know what that was. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of her on this show. You're right to, I think, point out where her instincts are. And I think I find it very interesting to look at these three women at KJPR uh, as on a spectrum of evolution in terms of their view of this business uh, or their view of the way the business should be done. On one end, of course, we have Shandy and on the other, we have Babs. And here is Keeley straddling both those sides, right? Trying to be professional, trying to be the leader, but she can't leave her Keeley out of it. When she tells Ted that she wants to drink some ayahuasca under a blood moon or mushrooms or whatever <laughs> she says. Yeah. First of all, very coach beard view on that. Yes. Thing. But second of all, uh, I think also really just a, a good example of how Keely is also like Shandy, even though she can be like Babs. And I think that that's a great dynamic to have there. And I think Shandy really kind of features it. And we could talk a little later in Free Kicks about what we think it might mean. But she basically says, like, married a footballer, married a footballer, married a footballer. You got out. Uh, and of course, Keely's not marrying a footballer. Uh, so what do we have to say about not that? Yet. But, not yet. Not yet. But getting out, uh, getting out. What is that? Getting out. What yep. does that look like? Uh, and is that what this looks like? And can you get out if, and, and still be yourself? And Shandy's a little earlier on that path. Keely spent a lot of her time, quote unquote, getting out at Richmond. And now she's out on her own and finding that happy medium there. So I really, really like that. I think if we're going to sp- spin off KJPR, this is all really good prequel content at the end of the day because the show itself can just be what the PR firm does and the things they get into and their interpersonal relationships. Yeah. What we're dealing with now, prequel content, how they met, how it got set up, how did they first get to know one another. Um, this is all the kind of thing that you could do in one episode. And sometimes shows have done that uh, as a flashback uh, when a show is successful. We'll flash back to when everybody first met and do some storytelling there. We're doing that kind of prequel storytelling with KJPR this season. If we are going to spin it off, it's great uh, because we can just go from whatever we've built. Uh, and so I really do like that. But um, I, I don't know. I'm interested to what you think, Josh, uh, in the media landscape, uh, which you have your finger on the pulse of very, very directly. Um, does Apple have like a 
connected show universe the way that Disney Plus, say, for example, with Star Wars and Marvel does? And could you see Ted Lasso being Apple's flagship like connected universe? I think it's definitely what they want. I definitely think it's what they want. I think it gets tricky with the Warner and the Universal situation involved in the Apple production. Uh, as we've covered in the past, there was that Puck article that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago in our in our preview show. If you haven't gone back and, and listened to that, or if you haven't read the Puck article, uh, you really should, which was speaking about some of the production troubles behind the scenes on Ted Lasso season three specifically. I just don't know how much that muddies the, the waters on things. I can't imagine that it muddies it enough that all of those parties wouldn't be incentivized to keep this party going in some way, shape or form. Um, Apple does not have a like, you know, servant hasn't uh, yielded spinoffs. The recently concluded M. Night Shyamalan series, I think a lot of people loved, by the way, uh, four seasons of that show, um, is like Severance going to spin out into a, like a, you know, like a Keegan prequel or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, they, they don't really have this. They do have some, you know, they do have some pretty significant, um, you know, pieces of IP, like Foundation, uh, for example. Like, that's something that they really could have mined into a franchise in and of itself. But Apple really does seem to be going more for let's get you lean and mean, highly prestigious, you know, incredible talent attached to it. Everything looks supremely polished and good. Lots of limited series as well. Uh, so they don't have something like this. But I think given Jason Sudeikis's open position of this is pretty close to the end uh, as far as I've envisioned it, they're going to want to keep this going in some way, shape or form. So I think KJPR is breaking out right now for me as a really good example of a show that they could continue this on with. But I also think that this episode lays the foundation for how they could stay at AFC Richmond without Ted Lasso. A lot of characters showing up in that regard uh, in really exciting ways for me. I think so too. And I'm, I'm excited to see that. You're right about Apple and the, the sort of things that they pick. I've become recently a fan of Slow Horses, which is an adaptation of a series of novels. And you're right, six episodes each season, they shoot them back to back. So they've got them, they just they churn them out. And I don't know if that author has written connected works or not. Uh, but the, the Lasso thing, it just feels like not only does the Ted Lasso vibe, uh, is that something that translates from place to place, from workplace to workplace, from situation to situation? Uh, but we can keep Ted Lasso, uh, the show, perhaps going without Ted Lasso, as you're saying, uh, that the vibes are still good, that these characters, whether it's Jamie, whether it's Rupert, whether it's Keeley, whether it's Roy, who, because of their interactions with Ted, are being changed and are being actualized and are being improved or are having an opportunity to believe in themselves. Um, that that will mean that Ted Lasso is alive, even if he's not on the show, and yep. that the spirit of Lasso lives. So I thought that was really, really good uh, and smart at Keeley Jones PR. I also really loved the beginning when they were doing those series of shots uh, where just one thing was in the frame, whether uh, it was an individual Keeley touch, like a shot of the flowers, her tiger statue, her discarded shoes, and it was alternated with shots of her individual employees uh, to imply that these things are coexisting, but they're not yet blended. Yeah. Uh, they're not in the same shots together. I thought that was a really smart and clever way to kind of establish where we're at with KJPR. And I also really like that Keely and Ted are such good friends. That is, yeah, a, that's just I, a way of showing the connection. I love that. There. I yeah. loved Ted's text to her. Uh, was yep. great because before he and Roy were ever anything, you know, Ted and Keely, Keely's his first, you know, local friend really. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 
and so they go all the way back to uh, when he beatboxed in front of her and she had yeah. no idea what to do with herself. And we uh, covered up her picture in Jamie's locker, right? Yeah, so I think he really cares about her a lot. Uh, I love that outreach. I just love that... Um, that that depth of connection across all of the characters, I thought that that was really sweet. I loved I loved seeing it. We're going back there today. There's a part of me. Maybe I should have stayed and just fucking enjoyed myself. But that is not who I am. I guess. Not yet. Let's talk about Roy Kent. Let's go to Roy Kent territory here, Antonio. Uh, and I guess in, in so doing, we also get to talk about Trent Krim and his return to the Ted Lasso universe. And this doesn't feel like, I don't know, I don't want to spend any time patting ourselves on the back uh, because I think the setup was really clear. Trent's leaving the Independent. Trent's probably going to write a book. Here we are. Trent's writing a book. He's writing the AFC Richmond book. Nobody wants him to do it uh, on the top level. <laughs> yes. They're being very explicit about how they don't want Ted to say yes to this. But of course, Ted loves Trent Krim. Uh, so he's going to say yes to this. And now Trent Krim is literally right in the Nate desk. Uh, he's sitting in Nate's old seat and he is occupying an office with a man who for much of the episode has deep, ancient hatred towards Trent Krim. Yeah, the ancient hatred is right. Uh, it's not a horoscope in his wallet that he brings out at an emotional moment. Shout out to the Gillies out there. Uh, but it is something that Roy's been literally sitting on for God knows how long. Uh, an article written about him when he was 17 years old by a young Trent Krim looking to make a name for himself and ripping a young Roy Kent to shreds. And Roy basically says, like, this this killed me. Like, this is brutal. Like, wh why? You know, and this really did mean a lot. It makes sense now why in episode three of season one, uh, Roy said to Trent, like, you're a colossal prick. You've always been a colossal prick. Uh, and Roy does not like Trent. Uh, now we know some of that origin story why. Roy coming to terms with this and Roy forgiving Trent and finding a mutual peace and feeling comfortable enough by the end of the episode to open up in front of him in that incredible monologue about Roy's time at Chelsea and the ennui that came uh, from returning back and a little bit of the sadness. Uh, it is a, it is a real I think a real signifier of growth that he can't even, he doesn't want to talk around Trent. He doesn't want anyone to talk around Trent Krim at the beginning of the episode. And by the end of the episode, he's being as vulnerable as he's ever been. And he's being as vulnerable as he's ever been around this guy that he's carried a grudge against for at least 15 years. Uh, so there's a lot of meaning in that for me. Uh, we still don't know the answers to some of the big questions about why uh, Roy doesn't know those answers and we don't either. But I think Trent say, or I think Ted saying not yet, not yet about not who I am. And when Roy says, I'm not allowing myself to be happy. And right. Trent says, Ted says not yet. Uh, we will answer these questions. We will get into uh, why Roy Kent looks for clouds on a sunny day. Uh, do you think that him solving this riddle and him figuring out why he can't let himself be happy is the key to him and Keeley getting back together? God, I hope so. Um, but Roy has also done some damage here. Uh, who knows if it's reversible or not? Um, and if it's not reversible, can he carry the lessons healthily into whatever comes next? Uh, so I hope still for for him and Keeley, and definitely from Keeley's point of view, uh, as the show has uh, illustrated it thus far, 
it seems like that is still an open possibility that her heart is still open to him. She said we're on a break. He said we broke up. He tells us in this episode he broke up with her. Um, so I think it's still on the on the menu, but uh, it's 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 really early almost for this level of a eureka uh, for for Roy Kent. And it almost makes me feel like I don't know how he gets this level of self-awareness and doesn't start to interrogate that immediately vis-a-vis Keeley. Uh, so I would actually be expecting that to advance relatively quickly here. And if it does extend across the season, I'm a little bit at a loss as to what's going to cause it to extend so far. You know, Roy was back at Richmond by episode five in right. season two. Uh, so, you know, there is there's room for Roy to have like a similar rainbow moment. Um, you know, I don't know what the version with Keeley is. You had me at coaches, but, uh, you know, uh, that could be coming. Yeah, it could be. And I think uh, one thing I can visualize as being something that might take Roy away from Keeley to a point, uh, is if a lot of what he has to process is very personal and that could also be with Keeley at his side too. I mean, there's two versions of that, right? There's the version where, as you're saying, this realization that maybe he can't let himself be happy. And that's a growth point that he can get to. Uh, maybe he allows himself to let Keeley be part of that growth process. Maybe she's open to it, or maybe he doesn't want to take her away from KJPR and she's too busy. And so he works on that on his own. Uh, but some of that might be related to the fact that he left home at nine and was shipped away to uh, the Tyneside there to Sunderland uh, in that area. Um, and the cold of that and the brutalism of that uh, as a nine-year-old, I mean, you're not sending that guy to Brighton. You're not sending him to the beach and to a lovely day. You're sending him, and this is no shout to Sunderland. Uh, they were my uh, first ever real love in the Premier League. Um, but this is a... Uh, this is yeah, this is not a place a nine year old should be going on their own and feeling like it's going to do anything except really harden them. And so we know that about Roy. We know his grandfather took him there as well because Roy burned blanky, as he called it, in season mm-hmm. one. Yeah. His grandpa gave him to take with him. Uh, why didn't his parents take him? What's going on there? Uh, we knew it grew up on like a council estate or some kind of uh, tower housing project there. Uh, we saw it when he took Isaac to the outdoor uh, pitch area uh, to to find himself again like Roy used to. So that's the building where he grew up. So we know a little bit about him and his upbringing, but we don't know everything uh, that really might get into why Roy Kent is the way Roy Kent is. Why is he a hard man? Why is he the headbutt guy? Why is he that guy? Like I said, going to Sunderland at nine on your own, that could certainly make you that guy. Uh, but why do that? Um, why, why, why not stay at home? Why not? Uh, why go with your grandpa and not your mom or dad? Like, what's the story there? So uh, I think we're going to get into that. And in getting into that, that could be Roy in his own. That could be Roy with Keeley. And I think Roy sifting through the uh, the disrepair of that, uh, the the ashes of that, uh, might give us some indication about how Roy makes progress from that. Clearly, uh, squashing the Trent Crim thing and getting rid of that thorn in his side uh, is growth, and that kind of growth uh, hopefully begets more growth for Roy Kent. I'm so happy to have Trent Crim in this capacity, having him be a fly on the wall here in Richmond and potentially somebody who is sort of like he holds the lore. Uh, You know, they've got a historian on their side now. He's like a terrorist keeper. He's a copper mind uh, with all of this information (laughs) that he has at his disposal uh, about the history of the sport and the recent history of the sport. And he had that immediate recall on, um, you know, the second that Roy is reciting this newspaper clipping, Trent knows that it's him and obviously there's context clues there but like he remembers the he remembers like the final chelsea match and everything like that yep i think that trent could become a real secret weapon in the arsenal here what they lose in tactics with nate i think that they get in the benefit of somebody who knows 
where we've been. And if you know where we've been, you have a decent idea of how to chart where we're going. Um, so I, I really appreciate the arrival of uh, James Lance's Trent Krim, White House correspondent Trent Krim. Uh, <laughs> Fake being, reporter Trent Krim. Yes, being being brought into the into the yes. into the fold here, I think uh, could lead us to some some really wonderful places. I really am happy about it. Two moments in this episode really popped for me that I immediately thought, well, that's going in the book. Uh, one, when Rebecca, when Trent says, just to clarify, mm -hmm. uh, you're going against a mercurial, like a chaotic world superstar that could cause problems here because uh, the team your ex-husband wants wants them as well. Uh, okay. All right. I love that. Trent he says. loved it. Yeah. And then later, I kind of also feel like if Trent loves that, I feel good about loving it, too. Uh, I do like, feel like for the reason that you said that that he is a, a copper brain or whatever you misborn. It's there. a copper mind. Uh, yeah. yeah. Whatever you misborn there. Um, the uh, the fact that he does know that like that is to the audience a big cosign. It's like just like it is in uh, Trent Crim Independent in season one when he gives the cosign to Ted, like if doing things, if the lasso way is wrong, I don't want to be right or I'm going to have a hard time rooting against this guy. Uh, that was a huge, massive cosign from this guy. And having him do the same thing with Rebecca, it did say to me as an audience, we should probably be for this if Trent Crim is for it. On the other hand, it does just feel to me like it's born out of negativity. And how can something positive be born out of negativity is a question I think uh, I'm wondering if the show is interested in asking. And so that's where my head's at with that one. But that's a big story for the book. And then obviously this Roy Kent moment that Roy Kent's going to be so good in this book, the story of Roy Kent and the growth that's going to happen while Trent Crim is there as a fly on the wall this season is going to make for such a good book. The, 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 the book that Trent Crim writes is going to be so, so good with all these little moments. And stories. I really hope I love that, that we get to read it or I hear it that. or whatever. Um, I want to give shouts to our great producer in the yes. management suite, Marissa Garza, who talked about this scene at the end of this episode with, with Roy and speaking in front of Trent and talking specifically to Ted uh, about how he should have just enjoyed himself, how he should have just stayed and enjoyed himself. And Ted has this line of a lot of people uh, quit rather than wait around to get fired. How do you feel like this might be instructive for Ted's arc? I feel like he kind of just like called the shot on how this is going to go for Ted. He does. And we've often talked about that final scene. If we do the, the rule of three and we, we reinvent or we just uh, go back to the uh, penultimate episode, Rebecca, Ted, 15 minutes in or whatever it is, 10 minutes in uh, confession or big moment. Right. Uh, whether or not that would be Rebecca saying, Ted, if you're not going to leave, I'm going to send you home. I know you don't like to quit things and I know we're doing well. Win or lose. This is your last match for AFC Richmond, whatever that would be. Uh, I could see that even if uh, Ted is willing to let himself stay and enjoy himself uh, because of moments like this with Roy, uh, I could see Rebecca as his friend stepping in and saying, Ted, it's OK. Like, it's yeah. OK to leave. It's OK to, you know, to move on. Uh, I know you're staying and enjoying yourself and that's great. I know you're feeling OK about this and you feel like you shouldn't quit. We're telling you it's OK. It's OK to move on. It's OK to leave. Uh, and so I still think that's on the board, even if Ted comes to the realization that, hey, I should care more about this football thing. And hey, I should try to win. And hey, I should just stay and enjoy myself. And hey, I shouldn't try to quit rather than be fired like he did in season one uh, to save Rebecca the emotion of that. 
Uh, I still think there's a world where Ted can come around entirely and still need a friend, Rebecca, to st stand up for him and say, Ted, it's okay to leave. It's okay to let us go. So I also think there's totally a world where Rebecca fires Ted, uh, and that's that. Uh, right. And I don't know that that necessarily is like you know uh, like a, a killing move. I think there's a world where that's like a mercy firing. Uh, but I, I think something like that could happen uh, in the show for sure. You're talking about him being killed. You've been watching too much Succession, Josh. I've been watching a lot of Succession and some Yellow Jackets too. <laughs> how My can people find? How, how can people find? your succession podcast just search post show recaps succession wherever you get your podcasts the daily succession rewatch is almost over uh but we're just getting started talking about succession that final okay. season's almost here baby if you get into final this succession intro, season baby yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end up doing a succession podcast out of robotic uh repetition here uh, you just repeated your Greg, succession intro. Yeah. yeah perfect mm -hmm. so but yeah, I mean, speaking of succession, we had Harriet Walter in this episode. We'll talk about <laughs> sure. her later. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that uh, I think that you're right. Re Re Rebecca could just say, Ted, you're fired. I know you won't quit. And I don't you know, you're great. We love you. But you got to go home, man. You're done. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what gets us to that point. If we get there, it'll be interesting to mark Ted's growth along the way. As far as this quit or fired thing. One more thing on Roy Ken, if I can. Yeah, I'm curious. We haven't seen. Um, we saw Phoebe in episode one and her and. Uh, Keely and Roy talking about the situation of their breakup. And that was a way for them to tell us too, the same way they would tell a child gently uh, and eased into it. Right. Uh, what we haven't seen yet is some of that same off. Uh, I don't want to call it off field drama with Phoebe, but some of the things that are going on in her home life uh, that Roy has, has to step in and take a leadership role on. You can imagine a story of Roy Kent where he leaves home at nine years old and there's some situation going on with his parents. He might see a lot of that and reflect reflected in whatever's going on with Phoebe's father uh, or whatever's going on with Phoebe's home life. So I am curious if they're going to find a way to tie the Phoebe story and Roy as Phoebe's surrogate, surrogate father into the story of Roy Kent and his growth and his processing issues from his childhood. Are they going to be mirrored or reflected in the Phoebe story? And is his helping Phoebe deal with them going to help him grow as a person and get past them? That's something I want to keep a marker in because I think the opportunity is there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's called empathy. It does the old All right, Antonio. Free kicks. Let's do this. Let's talk about anything else from the episode we want to hit this time. Talked about it earlier, uh, but Keely, when she meets up with Shandy, uh, Shandy runs through this list of people married a footballer, married a footballer, married a footballer, divorced a footballer. Now I'm back doing this. But you got out. Does that imply to us, Josh, or to you uh, that Keely marrying a footballer, a.k.a. Roy, would uh, be a retraction for her or a degradation or a slide back into something that she's gotten out of? 
Shandy doesn't know Roy like we know Roy, though, you know? Yep, uh, I do know. So I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Roy just has to open his heart. Uh, I think that that's really where we... I don't think it's a regression. Do you think it's a regression if Keely and Roy end up together? No, but I do think it's interesting that the show implied that the marrying a footballer cycle is bad. Uh, and it was certainly I think also though in the same episode, the source of that information was like, let's use company funds for mimosa. <laughs> so I don't know if I trust Shandy all the way yet. Who says that's a bad idea? Uh -huh. Only you. Uh, <laughs> but what I would say, I, I, I think what you said about they don't she doesn't know Roy like we know Roy. And the Roy Kent that was a footballer is no longer that Roy Kent. He's no longer the guy that's having one night stands and getting his watch taken because he doesn't need a watch and a phone. Right. right. He's no longer the Roy Kent that's living in the tabloids for those reasons. He's a different guy now. Uh, uh, as I said in our preview, we're peeling back the layers of Roy Kent and finding the Brett Goldstein that lies underneath the genuine, sweet, nice man. Uh, and those things, as we find them, are not necessarily footballer traits. Roy's not living a crazy life anymore. So I do think there's a contrast, but I do think it's interesting to think about. Like the show is saying the marry a footballer cycle is bad and Shandy needs to break away from it. And Roy would say the same thing, I think, where he's hung up in his head that him pulling Keeley away from KJPR is bad and that he shouldn't be drawing her. That was a lesson that Roy was continuously trying to learn in season two, that he shouldn't get in the way of Keely and her work. And when he saw her in Vanity Fair by herself, she looked powerful. She looked like a bilf. Right. So I still don't know what the B stands for. Is it businesswoman? Um, badass? Either way, uh, this is what she looked like. So this is a Roy who maybe has to learn that he is not going to be bad for her, that they're going to be good for each other. Uh, and I think that is, a, that is a lesson where, okay, the baseline is footballer with someone like KJ, PR, or Keeley in this particular case. Maybe it's a bad thing because she got out. But Roy's not a footballer anymore. And the less Roy's like a footballer, the better they can be for one another. Yeah. Um, I think that, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a simple man. I just want Roy and Keeley back together. I don't like this distance. Uh, I like to explore them individually. This is great. We'll get, let's get these people back. Together. So far, we're okay. I was very glad to see that Jamie did not make a beeline. I for was Keeley. so happy about yeah. that, and I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. I really, I think, even though I'm loving Jamie right now, I yeah. wish him all the happiness and health in the world. Yeah, uh, me too. But this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it, uh, because like th there is some connection or some bond between Jamie and Keeley. That is unquestionable. And the interaction between them in this episode is awkward because of what he confessed to her at the end of season two and because of their past and because he knows that she's made him better. He comes to her at the beginning of season two and says, when I think of talking, I think of you. Uh, and he needs her advice and help uh, in his career. So we know he really does value her for the really good things that she brings to the table as a person. Uh, and so that's not a net negative but we love roy and keely who is so, a net negative who is a net negative uh yeah. she's a frankie negatives uh sometime uh -huh. partner they did a bunch of disney beach movies back in the got day. it um but yeah i i don't know uh but there it's a previous relationship trading on previous relationships you got a lot to go on and speaking of previous relationships josh rupert and rebecca in this episode is a big thing and it's I'm, at the center i of can't this. with rupert i i just won't 
with Rupert. <laughs> Ru- like, I, I, I love the Death Star office. I do. I really do. And you like the, he, the duster, the Darth duster. But here he is in full Sith Lord regalia every time. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot. What, how can we? What do you? What do you think they'll do next to heighten this? Where, where can we go further in terms of really leaning? We in need on to start evil... lopping off limbs and replacing yeah. them with electronics. Uh, what if Rupert loses a hand? He needs some sort of laser pointer or yeah. something like that. <laughs> uh, a helmet would be nice. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait and to find out. And just get him around sand and see what happens. It'll be uh, it'll be increasingly funny if Rupert just gets more and more Star Wars as the show goes on. That'll be mm-hmm. really, really funny. I will get a good laugh out of that ultimately. Uh, but no, I want to talk to you, uh, Josh, about... Rebecca does give us the meet cute or or in this case, just the story of Rupert's Riz, right. the story of how Rupert's charm and charisma ultimately won Rebecca over. Uh, by the way, not for nothing. Um, did you were you surprised that Rebecca's perhaps more humble beginnings as a bartender? I think maybe that's something the show has mentioned, but I, it's it's a little far from my mind as to whether I, I always assume because of the way Harriet Walter is and right. the fact that her dad always bought her mom things like Tesla's when they had to break. I just assumed Rebecca came from uh, extreme privilege and it sounds like that maybe isn't the case maybe it's the case and she was like i just want to go out and be a bartender uh you know who who knows but um yeah i'm, I'm trying also to think back to like the uh the 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 funeral episode and the the glimpse of her home that we got yeah it's not coming immediately to to mind for me but this story about how Rupert and Rebecca got together. I think you observe quite wisely that this is really similar to the story of how Ted and Nate became uh, estranged ultimately. Uh, And this idea that Rupert showered her in affection and attention and made her feel like the only person in the world, the most special person in the world. And this is effectively what Nate said to to Ted at the end of season two. So there are um, these parallel stories that are happening with, uh, you know, Uh, powerful figures at AFC Richmond having these almost uh, romantic falls from grace with members of the West Ham leadership. Um, What does that say about Ted and Rebecca, you think? Yeah, or or just interested. Uh, Shout out to Marissa again, who, when we were going over kind of the the preview for this show, uh, pointed out, uh, Marissa said, I think this is the whole point of the show, showing there's a healthy manifestation of building people up, and then there's a toxic manifestation of building people up for one's own gain. And in my opinion, Ted certainly didn't mean the toxic manifestation and how it got out of bounds in season two. And We've talked about that extensively throughout our season two pods and in our preview that it certainly wasn't Ted's intent, uh, and I don't think it was the show's message that focusing on yourself or doing the work will mean that other people around you will feel lost or harmed or that it's a bad thing. But that is what happened with Nate because Nate was somebody who so desperately needed attention, who so desperately wanted to feel selected, wanted to feel special. Ted made him feel that way. Uh, And then because Ted did not continue that attention, uh, then look how Nate felt. So it isn't a one-to-one, uh, but I think it is very similar. Uh, and I, it's obviously in Ted's locker, just as a human being, uh, that to treat people this way, to make them feel special, to make them feel selected, to make them feel uh, important because he's paying attention to them. Uh, and it's not entirely different. Of course, it wasn't romantic love uh, between Ted and Nate uh, that did that there. But Nate was so, so needy uh, and so desperate for the approval of a father figure uh, that it, it hits very much the same way. 
uh, in terms of something that you really want or that you're looking for, how special it makes you feel. Yeah. So I could see Ted saying something like Rupert said to Rebecca, where Rupert says, it's just worth it being here to get to know you, Rebecca says. And there was something where Ted sent Rebecca a text message that said something like, thank you so much for all the support over this the crazy time, you know. That's not far from it's just worth it being here just to get to know you. And I can hear I can hear Ted saying that to Rebecca at some point when things have gotten bad, like the whole experience was worth it because I got to know you because we became friends, because I got to come here and meet all these beautiful people. And you're one of them. That's a positive manifestation of the same thing that was ultimately negative between Rupert and Rebecca. And I also feel it wasn't until I watched the episode more than once that it really hit me how rough it must feel for Rebecca to get the treatment she gets from Rupert pretty much immediately after she remembers. That juxtaposition is is a lot. Yeah. Where Rupert's like, guess I'm like most men who want to find something new uh, after she recounted why he's so charming. It's just really, really, really brutal. Yeah. Really whiplashy and brutal. Yep. Uh, Nate can't throw him down a wind tunnel soon enough. No, uh, I agree. I agree. Is, <laughs> whatever version of that is coming. Uh, really, really can't, can't. Speaking of movies and speaking of comparisons to other movies, the lamb in Keeley's uh, shoot was, of course, named Clarice. Uh, you will tell me when those lambs stop screaming. Clarice, yeah. So. Puts the lotion on the podcast. Yes. Uh, you will tell me when those lambs stop screaming. Yeah. Um, Jamie, as we said, had the tactical idea that helped Richmond get the result. That's a big deal, I think. We continue to see this Jamie Tart growth. Uh, Jamie, I, I want to note blocking-wise, where they've chosen, and this is from previous seasons as well, last season where his locker was in the episode, as you pointed out, with his banter redemption where they tape over the, the kits, um, he's off in the corner by himself. And that is uh, blocking-wise telling a story, that he's separate from the team. He's apart. Right. He's been brought back, but he's not part of the team. He's on his own. And that hits differently now where because of the corner that he's in and how he's often framed, he's often seen with Beard and Ted and the coaching staff or in the corner by himself as he was in the previous episode when he recounted Ted's advice and did the bingo El Ringo rhyme. Jamie Tart is on his own or pictured with the coaches a lot of the time. Uh, and I just think it's Ooh. great. I mean, I think it's great growth. I mean, I just, I, what, what's your concern? Here? Well, yeah, it's great growth, but it's then scary. If you think about the world in which, you know, does Jamie get hurt or something like that? Is this set up for a coaching staff position for Jamie Tart down the line, which would be interesting, but I, I would really hate to see that. Um, but that blocking of him with the coaches uh, is the thing that triggered that worry in my mind. I like for you, and I think that's a. I'm, I understand what you're saying. Would have to be a career ender, have to be a real bad injury. Yeah. And we had uh, O'Brien tore his butt in season one, and O'Brien's still around. Zero has usurped him and taken the number one shirt as the goalkeeper. I don't think Zero wears number one, but figuratively, uh, in at Richmond. So we've had some injuries. Danny Rojas, of course, was injured in a way that we never really saw, and he just showed up uh, in the middle of season one. But we just the seen... ways in which this could be sort of like a fast-forwarded Roy Kent story, you know. Yeah. Could be. And Roy could be really good for Jamie in that regard. And their budding relationship uh, could say a lot. I really don't want that for Jamie. I like your idea that what we're seeing with Jamie is more the idea that Ted is infecting. Uh, Ted is a good virus, that he is a positive thing, that he is improving these people's lives by being part of them. And Jamie is a good manifestation of that because we've seen the full arc where he was such a bad person and bad teammate in the first season. uh, And now look at him. Now look at him. He's literally standing with the coaches. He's one of the team leaders. Uh, You could see him 
uh, you know, you could see him ascending into vice captaincy, captaincy. Like that's another thing where you could see that in a way that keeps him on the pitch. So loving that about the Jamie story. And I'm just always paying attention to the blocking where he is put in these certain scenes. Um, that really matters to me, I think. And it, and it, and it shows. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going with Jamie, but I, I really like uh, tracking the little points along the journey. Yeah. Um, it's also really funny, his conversation with Roy, when he says, I forgot how skittish elderly people could be because of the war. <laughs> harsh. Very harsh. It's speaking very, of spinoffs, Roy, Will, funny. and Jamie. Singles Club, Shots, oh, yeah. Fishbowls. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah, see that. We very can. funny. Will, by the way, uh, continues to be a stealth MVP here. Cousin Greg, baby! I mean, he really is becoming the cousin Greg of Ted Lasso season three. Loving it. Loving yeah, it. Yeah. Loving that. Loving the uh, the vibe for Will. And again, the whether it's cousin Greg or Buster Bluth, just the fact that he's in the background of scenes when you don't mean him to be in the repeat of that joke. Ooh, could uh, it be Jamie who gets the hook hand? Is that a possibility? <laughs> uh, Shouldn't affect his ability to play football. No, course, he'd be so, fine. Yeah. You're not supposed to touch that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, the, and the hook would really, really bring you back. It brings you back. Sense, yeah. I ain't telling no lies. Um, <laughs> one, uh, one thing that was really great in this episode to like spin off of Jamie and then go to the Zava of it all uh, is the way in which the information about Zava continued to sort of spiral via Higgins, who has this really elaborate network of uh, CIA agents almost, it feels like. MI5. Yeah, it could be. That could be yeah. a great Higgins spinoff is if we find out that he's been secret MI5 this whole time. That's the way to tie it into slow horses. Yes. That's the way you do your combined universe. Higgins was at see, Slough House before he was at Richmond. I could see Higgins at the Slough House just slopping it up with the sloppy <laughs> steaks with Gary Oldman. I think oh, that could work. Slop them up. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. That would be that great. Work. The... Um, the the we did, you, you mentioned earlier we didn't get Nate in this episode, but we did note that West Ham won in the first week. Yeah. And of course, Rupert, uh, in the way that Nate does, finding that uh, weak spot or prying one open, he could be incepting more Ted and Rebecca drama because he's saying, you know, having a manager who understands the tactics of the game is just so important and so valuable. And he's laying it on so thick. We know that there's a possibility that Rebecca and Ted could have some conflict as a result of Ted's lack of impetus or push to win uh perhaps uh rupert prying at this spot with rebecca uh could make it a sore spot and could make that ted and rebecca stuff worse that's something i want to be keeping track of for sure yep um moving on why don't we check in on some relationship statuses beard yeah. and jane ongoing antonio still a thing. we brought it back this is our first jane reference it's still just kind of a joke i think it operates probably best on this show when it's a punchline and when it's a running joke and a gag even though i love beard after hours i don't need the show to take me too further deep into that uh I'll, i'm still interested to see what a resolution for beard is as far as him staying or going if ted goes mm -hmm. uh, but i think a, a beard that stays could continue to stay with the same relationship with jane and it doesn't have to be more than that i laugh that, that jane is still threatened by beard's relationship with ted hilarious uh, very funny after very all funny. this time and continuing yeah. to be threatened by that so yeah. very funny good good jane note good jane joke um the the Sam and Rebecca though relationship nothing, wise not nothing. even being mentioned not yeah. even not even being leaned upon not even being gestured at not even being winked at what's the deal with that and we haven't gotten to anything with Sam's restaurant we don't know if it's a thing Sam's been in the episodes obviously he's had some lines he's spoken up he's had some moments but but he's kind of joined the Greek chorus a little yes, bit this season so far 
He has. He's popped back in there. And like I said, we just haven't – we've done more about making the team feel like a team and less like individuals who we're going to focus on. I'm sure some of that stuff is coming. We just haven't gotten there yet. And so I will look in – I'm looking forward to when we do check in as to what's going on with Sam's Restaurant and some Sam-centric stories and conflict over yeah, this final season. And I do think that that is one of the ways in which Roy's story could continue to play out over the span of weeks and weeks is if we are kind of stopping down – and spotlighting individual character arcs a little bit more along the way. So like a Sam heavy episode could be coming up where Roy is being utilized a lot more for comic relief, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could easily be. We could easily be. And we were, I think we're setting up like season long conflict arcs here at the beginning of the season. Right. And then we're going to get into individual episode arcs of conflict or a couple episode arcs of conflict like we had with Isaac last season, uh, perhaps uh, play out um, in the middle of the season. The Sam and Rebecca stuff didn't start till the middle of the season last right. year. So right. plenty of room for it. Plenty of room for it. Uh, and I'm curious when Ted is Ted's reading Inverting the Pyramid. He stepping up and confronting Roy about his ego. Uh, Ted is, I think, taking a more active role here. What did you think that Ted meant when he told Roy, your ego is about to sabotage a whole lot more than a silly football match? What did you think he was implying the whole lot more was? Was that like, I'm going to fire you if you don't get this together? No, I read it about Keeley. I thought that it was about like you're sabotaging your happiness. You're sabotaging your well-being. Like get it together, man. This isn't just about the sport. This is about your life. Uh, like I felt like there was sort of this wake up, uh, you know, message that was at the heart of that. That's how I read that one. I, I love that. I love that. I also took it as I mean, that's uh, in, in a way I thought that was Ted talking to Ted uh, in mm -hmm. that he's like saying, hey, put this aside. Don't be silly about this. Don't act like, you know, best. Be part of the team and be what the team needs you to be. Don't necessarily be what you think you need to be. Uh, and look, Ted is showing this growth in real time. He's not afraid. He was terrified of Roy Kent at a time. And now he's not afraid at all to have a very scary conversation. Yeah, but him. he immediately has to subdue the heat uh, by telling him what a Hallmark Christmas movie is. Yeah, how we all do, right? Yeah. How we all do. Yeah. Uh, are you a Hallmark Christmas movie guy? Josh? Definitely not. Absolutely yeah, not. Me neither. No, me neither. It's never I think happened I've, for me. I think I've seen a couple or, or very similar. I and love I've, that for everybody who this is good for. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. And I'm a sucker for holiday films uh, and the treacle that comes with them. So uh, I'm sure it would be uh, exact. I'm sure I would feel equal like it's a sequel about a, a holiday <laughs> movie. Like there's more trees in the second one. Yes. Uh, and or maybe it's a tree make. Uh, <laughs> it's about the seeds uh, before yeah. the trees grew, just like the British office was a pre make. Josh. Yes. Yes. Unbelievable. I love that line so much. Oh, you all did a pre make here. I uh, hadn't really heard that before, so I laughed. I laughed a lot at that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Ted, um, Ted's growth and Ted coming to terms with that has shown these little moments, these free kick kind of moments. I like the idea, for example, that line about quit and fired, uh, that maybe Keeley can teach him this lesson. Maybe that can be a product of Keeley who quit AFC Richmond uh, to move on and could to, to go be actualized, do something more, uh, the best version of herself. Um, she could teach that lesson to Ted because they're there for one another and support one another in their professional and personal endeavors. Uh, here's a perfect signpost for you, Ted, to show that you can leave a place in good stead and you can still go off and do your thing and still be connected to it emotionally and still feel good about what you did. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there's there's some good messages there for Ted to, to hear 
if he wants to hear them. Uh, and I think he's open to it. I do think his ears are open to it. First scene of the series of this series is him or this season. I, I apologize is him talking to Dr. Sharon. So we know he's still doing the work and he's still invested in doing the work. And I think uh, we're seeing small products of that, that will become a forest of products that tree by tree, uh, brick yeah. by brick. So I love that. We're getting there moment by moment. Isaac wants a shoe endorsement, Josh for shoes. Hilarious. Generally shoes. Generally. Uh, oh my God. Shoes. These shoes rule. I want that. <laughs> I want that. I want uh, to see Isaac doing the whole, uh, kelly with the shoes uh isaac is hilarious isaac's great he studied he he knows body language yeah. so he like he knew from across the room the way he's tight clenched yeah. Yes. yeah very funny very yeah. funny. and then jamie body science uh, body yeah. science yeah exactly yeah. body mm -hmm. science yeah uh yeah dusty old fart the dusty uh, old fart yeah just, from the uh, clenched butt yeah. All those good moments. All those really good moments. It was, do you think Harriet Walter, Josh, Rebecca's mom, was calling from the set of Succession? Why it's did possible. we have that scene? And like, why is she just... Product placement. Apple yeah. products. Yeah. Yeah. There's a phone. There's a computer. You yeah. could get both. And Sign here's a up minute and today a at postshowrecaps.com slash Patreon. Oh, wait. No, I got the URL wrong. Yeah, you got the plug wrong, I think. Huh. Weird. <laughs> Strange. That yeah. dongle didn't go into that thing. It's like a, a USB-C, I was supposed to use. Yeah. Apple Apple products on display here and like, oh, just just throw in a scene. Call your mother. Call your mother. Apple yeah. products. Call your mother. Uh -huh. you, call, you called <laughs> That's me. A great commercial. You called me. Apple products. Call your mother. Call uh, your mother. That's yeah. good. We should so, talk to them about an endorsement. I think who knows? Good. Uh who knows? I just I thought maybe they couldn't get her. And so maybe that's why she was uh she was on video and they yeah. had just a, a scene in a hotel room. It was funny. Couldn't though. bring her into a scene with Rebecca. It. I liked it. It worked. Liked it. We'll it worked. see more of her through before the season's through. I'm sure. Yeah, that. yeah, sure I think that. so too uh you want to talk us through some needle drops some music cues from this episode we yeah. got some good music in here yeah we had the lovely day good as hell mashup uh from pomplamoose uh yeah. which is a what's the note on that marissa had a note for us on that the... yes that pomplamoose is the band of uh i believe it's jack conte is the name and natalie down who are uh the married couple behind uh pomplamoose uh, and Jack Conte is also uh, the, I believe, the co-founder and CEO of Patreon. Oh, how convenient. Speaking of corporate synergy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the use of Nights Falling by Andrew Bird at the end of this episode. The end of the episode is just one of the best endings of a Ted Lasso episode. The emotion of it, the, the vibe of it. It's uh, it's like looking back. It's uh, There's just like this kind of Malden feel to it. Uh, but there's also this just uplifting feel to it. Like, yes, we can be sad about what happened, but we can also think positively about not yet and what's to come. And Trent and, uh, and Ted talking about sport as a metaphor and life and all of that. I think the song is perfectly I'm going to start calling used. you sport, I think. Go ahead. Sport Mazzaro. Yeah, just don't call me Munch or whatever Jess's nickname is in the community. <laughs> That's right. Mulch, mulch. Mulch. It's mulch. It's mulch. It's mulch, munch, munch. R.I.P. Munch, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't want that. But uh, you can call me Sport if you want. You uh, got it. Andrew Burb. Uh, that was really, really good. Andrew Burb's great. We had, yeah, he's a, he's a whistler, right? And a fiddler. Like, mm -hmm. he's, got, he's a unique guy. Most birds uh, are. Most birds are. <laughs> whistlers and fiddlers yes uh so yeah i love that and then of course when Te when trent is walking in uh to richmond on his quote unquote first day when everyone's freezing him out the kinks a well-respected man is playing as, as trent is getting literally no respect 
Uh, so a really fun little needle drop there. Not present uh, in this episode as a needle drop, but present, of course, in the title is I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, a Elvis Costello song. Uh, not the first Elvis Costello call out on Ted Lasso. On Beard After Hours, Declan Patrick McManus, I believe, uh, is one of the things. De- I think Aloysius is thrown in there, too, but that's the alias that Beard uses in Bones and Honey, uh, the private club that they managed to make their way into, and he's doing a fake Irish accent. Uh, he uses Elvis Costello's real name with a modification. Another Elvis Costello shout-out with the title of this episode, and of course, what Zava ultimately indicates by the end of it. Uh, the Chelsea owner, too. So uh, I'm not sure how to react with Zava. Really fun <laughs> moment. Yeah. But, well, part of him probably starstruck. It's like, yeah, I don't a know, little starstruck. Can I take the pen? Will I shake your hand still, even though I'm not signing here? What mm-hmm. am I supposed to do? Yeah. I think he mouths like WTF, like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So very funny moment there. But I don't want to go to Chelsea. Another of the show's many Elvis Costello call outs. I'm sure our friend Jessica Lee's, uh would be thrilled by that. That's very fun. She's a big Elvis Costello fan. Oh, gosh. Well, Antonio, I cannot believe that we're finishing this podcast. And just as I'm checking the time, it is 1110 right now. So Uh, close. So close. And uh, any second now, the clock is going to change. So I just want you to get your wish ready. Oh, my God. Here it is. Okay, no talking. Okay. Did we wish for Could you tell me what you wished for? I can't tell you that. But what if we wish I don't want it to cancel out? I understand. Well, I can't tell I you that. Cancel. Uh, Marissa notes that 1111 in the episode, that's when the team finds out about Roy and Keeley breaking up. Uh, I bet a lot of people can reconverting their wish at 1111 to being like, get them back together, get them back together. But are <laughs> those wishes canceling each other out? Could be. What if Jamie's not wishing for it? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Darkness. <laughs> uh, Keep them apart forever. Bring yeah. me back to Keeley. <laughs> Who I knows? do want to go to Kile. I love the 11-11. I'm curious what Beard wished for. I'm curious what Ted wished for. And when you get to 11-11 in the podcast, uh, everyone, please do make your own wish there and hope they all come true. What did you wish for? I can't tell you that. Oh, come on, Coach. I just don't want our wishes to cancel each other out. That's not how it works. Yes. Uh, and look, it did come true. Uh, 11,111 new patrons just signed up <laughs> at <laughs> patreon.com slash recaps. That's incredible the way that that works. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, love to have you here along the party. Now, if you are not one of those 1,111 people who just signed up, you can certainly do it. Go to patreon.com slash recaps for commercial-free versions of the Ted Lasso podcast at any level. It's patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. At some of the higher levels, you will get commercial-free versions of every single podcast that we do. You'll also get Discord access where we have a really wonderful community. A lot of people talking about Ted Lasso. So if any of that is of interest to you, go peruse patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. Beyond that, we want to make sure you're subscribed and getting all of our good Ted Lasso stuff. So go to postshowrecaps.com slash Ted Lasso. That's the RSS link if you want to search by URL. Very easy. Postshowrecaps.com slash Ted Lasso. Uh, should we do Lead Tasso too, Antonio? We don't want to manifest that. We don't. That, that was my wish is that you not do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> you shouldn't have told me. Canceled it out. No, no, uh, we won't do that. No. Uh, we, you go, you get postshowrecaps.com slash Ted Lasso. It's the RSS link. Plug that in or just search Post Show Recaps Ted Lasso 
wherever you get your podcasts, you will find us. And if you could subscribe, leave a rating and a review, still, we are very early in season three. It's very helpful for us on the podcast. We would appreciate that so, so, so much. Uh, so thank you in advance if you are able to, to leave us a rating and a review. Uh, and you could also write into us, Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. That's our email address. That's going to come to me. It's going to go to Antonio. It is also going to go to our producer in the management suite, the great Marissa Garza. Antonio, what else you got? Very thankful to everyone that reached out so far. Um, and very thankful to those of you who have subscribed to the podcast, who have shared the podcast, rated and reviewed. Uh, really appreciate you doing that. That's a really nice thing that you can do for us and that you have done for us. So very thankful. Love, uh, love hearing from people and your thoughts on the show. Uh, and being part of that conversation. So I'm enjoying that. There's a lot of Ted Lasso stuff in the news, Josh. Uh, they're everywhere. They're here, they're there, they're every, everywhere. Uh, the Ted Lasso cast, the White House, uh, all lots of different places out there and about doing TV interviews, doing podcasts. So uh, we have been really excited to see that and see the Lasso effect uh, out there in the universe uh, and happening in real time as the show is airing. I'm sure there will be more of that as the season. Uh, when there is uh, something we want to stop down on and do, we will do extra episodes on this uh, throughout the weeks. So stay tuned. Definitely but, uh, not happening for episode two. I'm actually going to foggy London town myself, Antonio. Where did you go? Uh, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking a couple days to, to London here. Just do you want to go London. to Chelsea? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get to Chelsea. Uh, but maybe I want to go and rummage around some of the mean streets of the Ted Lasso shooting locations. Maybe I'll report back on our episode three recap about how all of that went. If I, if I get to, if I could twist Emily's arm into indulging my inner Lasso fan, I would really like to see at least like the bar. That would be get really to the fun. Richmond Green there. Yeah, the mm -hmm. bar, the alley. Uh, maybe yeah. you'll meet May. I heard they yeah. turned it into a B and B there. So yeah, or it's uh, going to be for like a one weekend only. It's probably yeah. going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so uh, hey, Patreon.com/slash <laughs> help us get to the Airbnb. If you want to send us there, yeah. Yes, we would love that. We'll be back with Ted Lasso season three, episode three, in one week's time. Until then everybody take care bye 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 hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.